The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Villano, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are here to break down the Giants' Week 15 20-12 victory over the Washington Commanders. Chris, there is a lot of directions we can go in with this game. The impressive 18-play, 97-yard drive, a dominant pass rush that really had a star born, even though I would argue he was born already in the NFL, with Kayvon Thibodeau in primetime television. Good defense. I would say a solid offensive effort, albeit they only scored one offensive touchdown, but they that was just enough to defeat Washington. But Chris, what are your initial thoughts and some of your thoughts on this tape from the New York Giants offensive perspective? You know, I think... I think the Giants offense did what they had to do. And I think they did a very good job of taking what Washington gave them. They they very much played within themselves. They didn't really expose themselves to Washington's defense. They didn't give Washington's pass rush, even without Chase Young. We know what that pass rush is capable of. The Giants offense didn't really give them any openings to disrupt or affect their game plan no they did not and some of the ways they were able to do that was through methods that we would say i guess before the game you and i we were going back and forth saying hey they need to incorporate the quick passing attack we know jack del rio likes to run too high that means you can typically run but the defensive line is so solid that you can't consistently just rely on that lighter box right So they're going to align in too high, which they did 27.4% of the time, and they're going to run a lot of quarters, which they did about 18% of the time. So whenever these teams are in these off leverage with too high safeties, and you know, sometimes they rotate the the um the weak side safety down over the middle of the field to rob anything from a three by one set coming across from the three wide receiver side, regardless of the fact, there is a lot of space in the middle of the field, the short to intermediate parts of the field, the Giants can attack with a quick and efficient passing attack. The Giants did that. And what did that do by byproduct? It slowed down that pass rush and it didn't allow that pass rush to just tee off on Daniel Jones like they did in week 13. Exactly. And, you know, we did see Evan Neal have some early struggles, particularly when he was matched up against Montez Sweat. But for the most part, Washington's pass rush wasn't allowed to be a factor in this game. Now, part of it is the Giants offensive line is 
basically as healthy as it has been since the beginning of the season. They rotated between Nick Gates and Ben Bredesen. There wasn't, I think, much of a difference between the two. Both of those guys are capable left guards. Uh, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, they had, I would say, decent average games for them. Yeah, Neither one was really a liability other than the couple plays where either John Allen or Deron Payton disrupted because those guys are just very, very good players. Otherwise, this was, I think, a very solid performance from the Giants offensive line, helped out by a very good, and I'm not just saying that because it's what we were calling for, offensive scheme. A very good offensive scheme that didn't rely on the identity of what we've become to know about the New York Giants offense, the quick play action type of plays, right? Under center or in the shotgun. It was much more of a traditional passing attack. The Giants aligned in empty more than I remember throughout the season and other games. And that's something where you know you're selling that they're more than likely going to pass unless they run a quarterback draw, which they did once in this game. And the Giants had success throwing in 11 personnel, which they aligned in, I think, 70-something percent of the time in this game, which is slightly above average. They typically are like a 65 to 67% 11 personnel team. So a lot of quick passes, a lot of, hey, Saquon Barkley, we want to get you involved in the passing attack because even if you remember back to week 13, Jack Del Rio, he would have that mic follow Saquon Barkley. And anytime the Giants could isolate Saquon Barkley against the edge because they were blitzing a lot in the in, into, into the interior gaps Washington was, that would you know remove the middle linebacker. So anytime Daniel Jones recognized that Saquon Barkley was against an edge or had some leverage in space to the outside against a linebacker. Daniel Jones just got the ball to his playmaker, and it led to that John Bostic silly-looking play when John Bostic was a tick behind, and Saquon Barkley is able to just put him in a spin cycle. He doesn't even spin on the play, but he just literally put him in a washing machine, and the guy just fell down. It was a that guy's a family. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that that was honestly a very impressive cut by Saquon Barkley. That was the kind of cut we haven't seen from him too much lately. Now, part of that, I think, is because the Giants did a much better job of getting Barkley in space than they had, <clears throat> pardon me, than they had over the last few games. And I think that is really where Barkley is at his best. He is a guy who needs space to work. He's been running more physically this year than in years past. But if you have Saquon Barkley... Uh, trying to be a battering ram between the tackles, you're you're not really using him to his fullest extent. You're not using his full skill set. Yeah, the Giants offense, it, we have to admit, it was a very short range offense. I, I don't know that they had any pass attempts longer than 10 yards in the air, maybe one or two, just off the top of my head. Just according to NFL Next Gen stats, Daniel Jones' average throw was targeted 3.7 yards down the field in the air. His average completion was 3.4 yards in the air, and he had the third shortest passing passes on average. And his average pass was just or was 5.2 yards short of the first down marker. So a lot of the Giants quick game was really supplementing their running game, which you know, they kind of struggled to get going with any kind of consistency before the very end of the game. 
Yeah, you want to throw through the air. And like we said, when Jack Del Rio was aligning his defense in the manner that he was, there's space to attack. So just get the football out of your hands, Daniel Jones, in a quick and efficient manner. And I felt like Jones did a really good job doing that, albeit he wasn't attacking deep, but there wasn't that much room there. But I will say this about Jack Del Rio, his defense, and it's just an observation from watching as much Daniel Jones tape as I've watched this season. And in the past, the Giants do not throw to the field side often to the number one when he is running a comeback or the number two when he was running a seven route, any kind of route that is breaking towards the sideline. And Jack Del Rio knew that, Chris. In this game, the Washington commanders were aligning in a Tampa 2, inverted Tampa 2, if you want to call it that, Tampa 2 robber, robber, if you want to call it that, which is a middle-of-the-field closed look pre-snap, and the deep safety, the deep middle-of-the-field safety drops to a robber type of position, so he's going to be basically buzzing downward at the snap. And then what Jack Del Rio was doing was that field-side cornerback would assume deep half responsibilities from you know maybe seven yards off the line of scrimmage. So what is that cornerback doing, Chris? He is going to be frantically bailing to the deep half. And what did that leave open? on at least three plays in this game that come to my mind right now, it left the Giants wide receiver pretty much wide open with a flat curl flat defender trying to get outside from that hash all the way outside the numbers. So you're talking about a ton of space to cover. And for whatever reason, and I've noticed this a little bit earlier in the season, but this year or in this game, it happened like three or four times. They don't, the Giants don't throw that ball. The Giants don't use every inch of the football field. And I, and I found it to be kind of fascinating because Jack Del Rio, there were several times where he was like, we don't respect this offense to use every inch of the field. So we're just going to bail this number one cornerback all the way to a deep half responsibility and trust that the Giants won't abuse us and take advantage of us. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think as creative as Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball have been scheming up an offense that has been that has provided enough points <laughs> to win eight games so far. The Giants' tendencies have become pretty clear over the first 14 games of the season. And I think that is one tendency that, you know, for whatever reason, whether that is Daniel Jones's comfort, he's just not comfortable throwing that pass. That's just not something he does well. So that's not something that the coaches who were hired because they coached to their players' strengths and weaknesses they're not going to ask him to do. Or maybe that comes down to uh, pass protection or just the, the receivers the Giants have, maybe a combination of all three factors. Something else is that the Giants generally don't take deep shots unless they see middle of the field closed and a man coverage on the outside, that one-on-one -on -one matchup on the outside. Since Darius Slayton has kind of returned to the forefront of the Giants' offense, we have seen those deep shots kind of materialize, but generally only in those circumstances. And I think that's something else defenses have picked up on over the last few games. Yeah, it's just you want to challenge the defense and, and make the defense respect, like I said, every inch of the field. And I feel like... 
at least specifically in this game. And it happened on the 18 play drive, the check down to Brita. You had Darius Slayton running like a, a deep out route. There are also plenty of times when it's just regular cover too, where it seems like to the field side, the honey hole is wide open between the flat and the deep half defender and the Giants never challenged that. And it was just one of those things that I felt like was an interesting observation that we should bring up here on the podcast. But one more thing on Saquon Barkley and the offensive line and the rushing attack. Look, they didn't own the game like they did against Houston, but there was two trap calls and a wham call. And I love that. I love the fact that Bobby Johnson and Mike Kafka are trying to incorporate these more creative blocking schemes to help get their offensive linemen up to the second level in hopes that they can spring a really long run. Yeah, and that is something we did see a little bit more of earlier in the season. I, I remember, was it the Tennessee Titans or maybe it was the Panthers game where they used Sterling Shepard as a wham blocker, almost as a pseudo tight end, but as a slot receiver and had him block an interior gap, which I believe that play even resulted in a touchdown because the defense just was not expecting Sterling Shepard to get in there and stick his nose in. And those really have been the plays that have been most effective for the Giants when they can create that space for Saquon Barkley so he can accelerate, so he can use his agility and explosiveness. Yeah, those were like Y insert plays. And I felt like Darius Slayton against Philadelphia was doing some of that garbage time. And I was actually impressed with the physicality that he brought to the blocking point. So something to monitor going forward. But Chris, before we get to this New York Giants defense, which was really exciting in this game, specifically one Kayvon Thibodeau, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, let's start right there. Kayvon Thibodeau's presence was felt early and often, and I'm not sure why Scott Turner kept calling these zone read and these read plays where Thibodeau was the defender that was being read because it did not work at all for Washington. Thibodeau kept the rushing lane really tight, stayed square to the mesh point, and was very instinctive, making several tackles for losses in those situations. It, it worked once <laughs> on that one run by Taylor Heineke when Thibodeau overpursued and crashed inward on the running back and completely lost contain on Heineke. But I can also understand 
not really expecting Taylor Heineke to be the guy to to keep and carry the ball in that situation. But yeah, Thibodeau had an excellent game. And I think Scott Turner didn't really know how to deal with him out there. You know, we saw early in the game, Washington tried to use, to leave Thibodeau as an unblocked defender to create a numbers advantage elsewhere. And at one point, I think I believe it was a Curtis Samuel run, which didn't work once in this game. He had some impressive catches, but their insistence on using him as a running back was, I think, a welcome site for the Giants' defense, which is something I think we need to get get into late, a little bit later. Yeah, early in the game, they just didn't block Thibodeau, which allowed him to use his football IQ and athleticism to blow up a couple plays in the backfield. And then they tried to use him as the read player and he just played almost every single one of those expertly. He hung in there. He delayed the mesh for as long as possible. And he generally followed the ball pretty well. The one play where the Washington commanders tried to act like they were flaring the pass out to Brian or it might've been Antonio Gibson to in like a halfback misdirection. And then Taylor Heineken handed the football off to Curtis Samuel kind of underneath with the backside guard tackle pulling Kayvon Thibodeau read the entire thing, blew that play up, forced a second and 13 where Washington ended up in a third and nine and Taylor Heineke was sacked. And that was on a 10 play drive to start the game. 10 plays, 41 yards punt. You don't see, a lot of 10 play drives that result in puns unless there's a devastating penalty, but that's not what happened. It was just Kayvon Thibodeau really putting the team on his back, just like he did a couple drives later, two drives later when Taylor Heineke drops back the pass. Kayvon Thibodeau, man, just the power move, how he uses his outside hand to grab the outside shoulder of the tackle and basically throw it inward, dip the inside shoulder, get his hips oriented into the pocket, strip sack, Pick up the fumble, score the touchdown, the trifecta for Kayvon Thibodeau. Man, that was such a huge moment in this game, and it sparked this Giants scoring because, like we said, Giants only had one offensive touchdown in this game. The other was due solely to Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes, I in our show notes, I put down very very first note on the defense. Kayvon, Dex, and Aziz won this game for the Giants between Thibodeau's sack fumble touchdown and the sack fumble between uh, that was split between Lawrence and Ojolari. Those two plays really were the difference in this game. If those three players don't make those two plays, there's the distinct possibility that Washington comes away from this with the win. Now I'm not going to say the giants definitely would have lost because Washington did not play a good game overall. I thought they moved the ball very well on the Giants in between the 20s. They were able to throw effectively, and they were able to run the ball very effectively, uh, uh, almost disturbingly effectively against the Giants' defense at times. But then, you know, you talked about how that one play Scott Turner called at the end of a 10 play, 10 play drive that basically killed their offensive possession. Washington made some absolutely mystifying calls 
throughout the game and particularly when they got into the red zone. It seemed like they were getting cute for cuteness's sake at times in this game. And then they also played just very sloppy in big moments and had some absolute killer penalties that really did set up a some big swings. I believe right before uh, Thibodeau's big play, Washington had a first down wiped out by a penalty. Uh, they had a touchdown wiped out by a penalty. They had a two-point conversion and ultimately a point after wiped out by a penalty. And I have to say credit to the Giants defense and also to their special teams for taking advantage of that sloppy play by the by the commanders. Yeah, New York definitely seized the day. And that Ryder Anderson sack, it was just a loss of three yards on the third and nine on the first drive that I was just mentioning. That was sparked by Dexter Lawrence basically splitting a double team and just getting pressure into the pocket with Micah McFadden blitzing. So a five-man pressure. But if you look at the coverage of the Giants, there was a blown coverage and Jahan Dotson ran a deep post. Both, I think it was Julian Love and Nick McLeod transitioned to the number threes out route. Nobody covered the deep post, and he was wide open for a touchdown. Luckily, Ryder Anderson and Dexter Lawrence and Micah McFadden put enough pressure on Taylor Heineke that he couldn't set his feet and throw that football. And you can even go to the strip sack fumble at the end of the game where uh, Dexter Lawrence and Aziz Ojolari get the uh, get the credit for the sack. That play was kind of set up by Leonard Williams. He's another player that we haven't really talked about, but Leonard Williams just shoots right around the guard and gets pressure into the pocket, forcing Taylor Heineke to step up towards Aziz Ojolari and then eventually Dexter Lawrence. So just collectively, that defensive front played so well in this game. Yeah. The, looking back at this game, I have to say, it feels almost like, a, like the 2016 Giants where... The offense did just enough to give the defense a lead. And then the defense basically dragged the team the rest of the way. Yeah. Back in 2016, the Giants offense was Odell and a prayer. This this time around, it is one drive. And then Wink Martindale dials up the pressure, gets aggressive. Even though he didn't blitz as much as he usually does, he still dialed up the pressure at the right times, and it was enough to seal this game away. And a lot of the three-by-one sets that Washington ran, they would have McLaurin as that backside wide receiver. The Giants were not going to allow Terry McLaurin to do what he did in basically every other matchup he's played the New York Giants. Now, Terry McLaurin, he didn't have a terrible game. He went six for 70 on six targets, but the Giants paid a lot of attention to him. He was getting cloud covered much of this game, had the cornerback and trail safety over the top, and that really set up a lot of one-on-one matchups for all of these other cornerbacks. I got to tip my cap to the New York Giants. Yes, there were blown coverages. Yes, Taylor Heineke left some plays on the field. Yes, the pressure really bailed out the coverage, but in these one-on-one matchups against really good wide receivers, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, I felt like these young cornerbacks didn't really give them a ton of space to operate. Even on the Jahan Dotson 61-yard catch against a safety, Jason Pinnock, Pinnock was in position at least, right? It wasn't like he was burned. It's just Jahan Dotson is a really, really good wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. And I was impressed with how physical the Giants' defensive backs were, not just the corners, but the safeties as well. And... I think that's something that carried carried through from the the first game where the 
Giants DBs were allowed to be more physical than I think is we normally see at the NFL level. And they figured that out pretty early and then stuck with it and really kind of almost tried to dare the the officials to throw the flag for DPI. And they never really did. So the Giants were just took advantage of how the game was being called that day. <laughs> they definitely didn't throw it on the last play of the game when Darnay Holmes was draped all over. Who was that? Um, Curtis Samuel or whoever it was. <laughs> yeah. And from what I've seen, Washington fans are pretty livid about that. And I, I have to say, Giants fans absolutely would be too if the roles were reversed. <laughs> oh, 100%. But there are calls all throughout the game. I know there was one play, I think it was a third down play, where Richie James was tackled at midfield. I saw that on the tape. And uh, I mean, I get it, though. I, I would be I'd feel the same way if I was a Washington fan. One more thing before we get out of here, Chris, and that is the activation of Landon Collins against his former team, the Giants. Look, they like to use a lot of quarter, right, which is a formation that's going to have seven defensive backs. They like dime. You know, they like to have six, seven defensive backs on the field. But what that does is it allows teams to run the football effectively against you because you don't have as much beef. You don't have much love the linebackers there to stop the run, albeit the Giants don't really have those linebackers to stop the run on a consistent basis. But Landon Collins steps into this game with Tony Jefferson, their first time playing together. And I felt like, man, whenever they were in quarter, which they ran, I think, third highest of the season, I think the only games they ran more quarter was against Jacksonville. And I believe it might have been Washington or it might have been Seattle. I'm not really 100% certain, but regardless, having Landon Collins on this defense, I think, can really help your rushing attack when you do want to align in these dime quarter type of defensive personnel packages that put speed on the field and allow you to maybe get to the blitzing packages that you want to employ. Yeah. And this really always, always has been Landon Collins's strength, even though he has or had previously in his career been adamant that he was a safety and not a linebacker. Even when uh, under Steve Spagnuolo, like in 2016, he was being used a lot of the time as a almost a, a pseudo linebacker, uh, maybe like the a star role, however you want to phrase it, just as a big, aggressive box safety. He had plenty of turnovers and passes defensed, but you, he's he has never been a guy you want to see in man coverage. And... I don't think it really matters what he is called. If you put him in the tackle box, in that area, that second level close to the line of scrimmage, and just turn him loose and let him play, he is still a pretty darn good player. He might not be as good as he once was, but he is still effective. And yeah, Tony Jefferson, he is also a guy who's, who is not what he once was, but he's a very smart safety and he is very, very experienced. There isn't much the NFL can throw at him that he hasn't seen. Yeah, Tony so, Je- yeah, Jefferson uh, had 19 snaps in this game, and Landon Collins had 27. And according to Pro Football Focus, Tony Jefferson was the highest-graded New York Giants defensive player, even over Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau, albeit it was close. Yeah, well, that might also be kind of a, a small sample size. A PBU. That's what it is. It's a yeah. path broken up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're playing that few snaps, if you make one great play, it's going to have a, an outsized effect on any kind of ranking or grading you're going to see. Yeah. I do, even with you know, praising Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson, I, 
the Giants' run defense is a problem right now. Like, we have to recognize that. Overall, the Giants gave up 6.1 yards per carry to the Washington Commanders. Brian Robinson averaged 7.4 yards per carry. Fortunately, and something you know we've talked about a couple times is just the absolutely questionable play calls by Scott Turner. Brian Robinson only carried the ball 12 times. I feel like if they, if Washington had gone back to him more often, particularly in the red zone, in inside the twenty yard line, certainly inside the ten yard line, yeah, things might not have worked out so well for the Giants. The Giants might not have had as many opportunities to disrupt the offense as they had with Washington just getting cute, trying to surprise the Giants with trick plays or putting the ball in Taylor Heineke's hands in those high leverage situations. You know, seeing a running back carry the ball for 7.4 yards per carry at the professional level is honestly almost unheard of. Like you see it at college, not that often, but you do see it. But at the NFL level, that is really really rare and kind of a red flag for the defense. Yeah, we know this run defense sucks and they can't guard against GH counter, GT counter, any type of counter and that's what Washington started the game with just a bunch of counter runs and 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 there was there was one play where it wasn't even necessarily count, like they didn't pull the backside guard and there wasn't a fake on as to the direction but they used two tight ends the sniffer and then a one in motion to basically lead block right through the hole i believe i think they were called once for for having the motioning defender angle towards the line of scrimmage i also felt like they did it like 3 times before that so i'm sure Brian Dable got into the ear of the of the refs and said something about it. I'm trying to locate where exactly that play happened, but either way, this was a, a good win. It was a, it was a crucial win 20 to 12 over the Washington commanders. Chris, do you have any other takes on this game? No, uh, not really. I just hope the giants don't spend too much time savoring the win because they have very little time to turn the page and get on to Minnesota. You know, they're going to have to travel a day earlier than usual. And Minnesota is going to have accounting for travel, a couple days rest advantage on them. So right now I think it's just time to get onto Minnesota and Hey, we get to watch Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'm not really too excited about that part of it. (laughs) I I like watching him play. I love watching him play, not when he's playing Big Blue, though. That guy is just unreal, and I'm expecting the Giants to do a similar thing that they did against Terry McLaurin, just a ton of attention paid to Justin Jefferson because he is one of the top three wide receivers in the National Football League right now. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com and check out all of our written content and also like, subscribe, comment on this podcast feed. That really helps us go a long way. And we'll be back with a review on the Minnesota Vikings here in a couple of days. Take care of each other and have a lovely one. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.